0: Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Archbishop Foley Beach brings us his message entitled, Am I Filled? Today's special feature comes from last week's message, Feeding of the 5,000.
1: A denarii was a day's wages. So in our context, if we used minimum wage at $7.25 7.25 an hour in an eight-hour day, that'd be $58 a day times $200. That would be $11,600. So as you can see, it's an impossible amount of money the disciples are referring to. However, Jesus has a different plan. Rather than expecting the people to fend for themselves, He becomes God's instrument to meet their needs. Too often we do that. We send people away rather than being God's instruments to help people in their need. We're tired, we're weary, we have things we need to do, we need our rest, we need our time, and we send them away. Jesus modeled that we should not only be feeding the soul of people, but we should be feeding the body as well. Jesus finds out that a boy has five loaves of bread and two fish. So he asked the disciples to have the people sit down in the grass. Luke tells us in his version that they were orderly about it. The disciples put them in the groups of 50 each, 100 groups. And Jesus takes the five loaves and two fish and he repeats a pattern that he often did on several occasions and that we remember each week when we come to his table for Holy Communion. Verse 41, we find this. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven said a blessing, broke the bread, and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them. As the disciples did what Jesus asked, the bread and the fish never ran out. We're told that they all ate and were satisfied. Everyone received enough to eat. One of my favorite parts of this event is found in verse 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of the fish. They even had food left over. Verse 44 tells us they fed 5,000 people. This is one of the most popular miracles of Jesus. It's recorded in all four Gospels. Here we see that the Son of Man exhibited the attributes of the Son of God. He was able to take what was given and convert it for the purposes of God. By blessing the mundane and the ordinary, he created miracles. As God's people, you and I, who live in a fallen, broken, secular and uninterested world, God desires for you and me to do the same thing. To take what we have, to look up to heaven, to say a blessing of thanks and use what we have and give to those in need. In our homes, in our jobs, in our schools, in our hospitals, on the street kitchens, wherever we are, being willing to be broken vessels for him, to be used for his purposes. Too often we stop at the communion rail where we look up to heaven we say a blessing, where we break the bread, where we set it before the people, where the people eat and are satisfied with the bread of heaven. However, Jesus takes it much further. He desires to use our very selves as his broken vessels to feed others with the gospel. He takes what we have and who we are, and he does miracles for other people. As we surrender our wills to his will, our lives to his rule. In spite of our sin and brokenness and shortcoming, he miraculously transforms us to be his vessels of love, compassion, mercy, and forgiveness. The feeding of the 5,000 is a great miracle event in the ministry of Jesus. What's more significant even today are the miracles he does in our lives when we repent of our sins and turn to him in faith. He forgives our sins. He gives us eternal life. He takes what has been broken and blesses us, and then he transforms us into beauty for others. He takes what we have and who we are and does miracles for other people. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing, broke the bread, and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.
0: That was Archbishop Foley Beach with today's special feature, Feeding the 5,000. Here is today's message now, entitled, Am I Filled?
1: Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk with wine as that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As you and I follow Jesus Christ in our daily life and responsibilities, it can be a challenge to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And yet to live a successful Christian life, at least successful from God's point of view, to obey the voice of the Lord, to to do what he wants us to do, to live in his joy and his peace and his love, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, now when you and I become a believer in Jesus, when we become a follower of him, when we ask him into our life and we ask him to forgive us of our sins and we we bend the, the knee of our heart to yield to his lordship, he gives us this incredible gift, the Holy Spirit. God himself, the third person of the Trinity. He actually comes and indwells in us. The the, the scripture says that, that we're human beings, our body, soul, and spirit, and the spirit part of us is dead until Jesus comes and makes us alive, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, he abides with us, and he abides in us. It's the Holy Spirit who enables you and I to commune with the Father. It's the Holy Spirit who enables us to hear his voice, to understand his word, and to be aware of of the presence of the Lord in our midst. This Holy Spirit is truly an incredible gift given to us by God. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Or if you don't have your Bible, turn on your Bible with your phone. And I want to ask you to follow along as we walk through this passage where we're exhorted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to say that these words that are actually in chapter 5 don't come in a vacuum as the Lord inspired Paul to say a number of things about the Holy Spirit throughout his letter. It's almost like a thread that kind of runs throughout the whole letter. For example, in chapter 1, Paul reminds Christians what happens to them when they first believed. This is chapter 1, verse 13. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of of his glory. So so when we believe... When we come to faith, we're actually sealed by God. His stamp is put on us. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit until we make it to heaven. Later in chapter uh, 1, verse 17, Paul shares that what he's actually praying for them. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit. May give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. This is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Another name for him is called the Counselor, to give wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of the Lord that we might understand him more and more and understand his ways. In chapter 4, verse 1, he reminds them to walk in the manner of the calling that God's called them, guarding the unity of the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 6, at the end of the letter, he exhorts them to put on the full armor of God, And he says here in verse 17 to take up the sword of the spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit. So Paul is building his case that they have basically two options to be strong in the Lord or not, to be strong in the Lord or not. And that brings us to our text today. Chapter 4, verse 30, speaks of grieving the Holy Spirit. And chapter 5, verse 18, speaks of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Are they grieving the Holy Spirit? Or are they filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I grieving the Holy Spirit? Or am I filled with the Holy Spirit? For the purposes of our time together this morning, I want you to see the connection between verse or chapter four, verse 26, and Ephesians 5.18. It's like Paul has drawn a line connecting these opposite thoughts. Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He says not to grieve the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit? Yes, And Paul will show them how they do it in a, in a few minutes. We'll look at that. The word grieve means to wound. We can make him mourn. We can make him sad. We can hinder his progress in and through our lives. In this passage, he immediately lists words and actions which grieve him and wound him. Paul lists them back to back to back. Boom, boom, boom. Let's look at some of them. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. These things grieve the Holy Spirit. And then he talks in verse 32, the remedy of this, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. You do that, you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice for God. I want to be filled with the Spirit, walk in love and live a sacrificial life before him. But then he talks about what grieves the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, but, notice the but there, but, Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. He then expands on these things because this was part of the Ephesian culture in which they were living in. This was normal life for the Ephesians. Verse 5. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, or covetous—that <clears> that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ the Lord. By the way, he's speaking here of a lifestyle, practicing. It's not that people don't mess up and make mistakes. He's talking about the lifestyle. You're, they're practicing these things. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Sadly, many in the modern church today are not taking heed to these words and are partaking in all kinds of sexual immorality. That's basically any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage. And partaking in covetedness. That's desiring other things, making other things your idols. It's kind of hard to be an American today without being covetous. I mean, the whole lifestyle that we have is built on desiring this and getting this and having that. These are ways of living life that grieve the Holy Spirit and they run counter to the kingdom of God. So he says in verse seven, therefore do not become partners with them. But at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine in you. Hey guys, you were once living in darkness and you were practicing the deeds of darkness. You were living the lifestyle of darkness, but now you're children of light. And the fruit of light's all that's good and all that's right and all that's true. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Walk in the light. Don't be deceived. Don't be partners with them. Don't even speak of what's shameful, he's saying. In verse 15, look carefully at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Look carefully. Walk wisely, live wisely. Don't be foolish, but understand what God's will is. And then verse 18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're drunk with alcohol, or any substance for that matter, you're controlled by that substance. It controls you. He said, no, don't do that. Be controlled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That is be continually controlled by what God wants. Be continually controlled by his presence in you. Don't be, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. All these things he's listed here grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it limits his presence, his power, his action in and through our lives. Now Paul says here that we should be filled with the Holy Spirit in the original language, the Greek language that this was written in, it might be better understood as be continually filled, be constantly filled, be regularly filled. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 7. He said, whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, Out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And then John says, now this is what he said about the Spirit. Who those who believed in him were to receive, but they had not yet received it because Jesus had not yet been glorified. When we grieve the Holy Spirit, it's like we turn off the spigot of his flowing in and through us. Imagine water coming out of the faucet of your sink. Grieving him turns off the flow simply said anytime we sin against the lord or our neighbor we grieve the holy spirit and the flow is slowed really yes this is why paul addresses these kind of words and behaviors and actions these ephesian christians had been brought up in a culture of pagan practices many of which were not of the lord and many which do not reflect his character And he's saying you can't practice these things and honor the Lord. He considers them sin. They're not of his kingdom. Now, it's not that he doesn't love us by expecting godly behavior. Actually, this is a reflection of God's love. He wants the best for us. He wants us living in his blessing. He knows that these things actually hurt us and hurt the people we care about. So Paul gives them this word, don't grieve the spirit. Rather be filled with the Spirit. Now I found the best remedy for when I grieve the Holy Spirit. Actually, I grieve the Holy Spirit. I wish I could tell you I don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, What I'm trying to do is is grieve, become aware of when I grieve the Holy Spirit quicker. You know, like when I when I do it, then then. Right then, I'm aware versus a week from now or two weeks from now, and I say, Lord, where are you? Why aren't you hearing my prayer? What's going on, Lord? And then he brings me back to why I've grieved him. But I found the best remedy of when I grieve the Holy Spirit is confession and repentance. Confession. First John 1.8 says, if anyone is without sin or thinks he is without sin, he deceives himself and the truth is not in him. Verse 9 says, If we confess our sin, God is faithful and will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the word confess here, again, in the Greek language of the Bible, is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's not just asking for forgiveness. That's not what that means. Literally, the word means speak the same, confess. If you translate it, literally, it's speak the same. It's agreeing with God that what I've done is wrong lord i agree with you i'm speaking the same i understand that what i've done is wrong in your eyes so i'm confessing it and i don't want to do it anymore now i can do this the moment i sin i can do it at night before i go to bed and i would encourage you to try that before you put your head on your pillow lord is there anything that I've done today that I need to confess to you. When I do that, it's amazing how quick, how quick it comes right into your mind. Things that you've done that you need to ask forgiveness for. Or you can do it in the liturgy like we did this morning at the beginning of the service. We ask God to forgive us of our sin. The the point here is is not to ignore it. For me, it's like washing the cereal bowl in the sink right after breakfast. I don't know if you're like me sometimes, but... Uh, you, you eat your breakfast and, and you don't rinse the bowl immediately. You just put it in the sink and you head out to, to work. And you come back home and then you got to clean your dishes. And it's, it's like taking a knife to scrape the, the stuff off. But if I would just rinse it right then, it just comes off right easy. But if I wait, it's hard. Well, it's the same with our sin. If we just confess it right then, it, it's amazing how easy it is. But the longer we hold on to it, the harder it gets. God desires you and I to be filled with his Holy Spirit not to grieve the spirit sadly old patterns old attitudes old behaviors creep back into our lives and they quench and grieve the holy spirit and the sooner we address it the better the more we address it the better for what the spirit is trying to do in each of us is to make us more like jesus to give us his love his joy his goodness his peace his patience His gentleness, his faithfulness, his self-control in our lives. He wants us to have the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit operating in our lives. And he wants to pour out his blessing upon us. But when we resist and we refuse to do what he wants us to do, it's like we put the brakes on it. He can't can't bless it. He's, He's offering us these gifts, but we're pushing them back because we refuse what he wants to do in our lives. We grieve him and we ignore it so right now a question for you am I grieving the Holy Spirit or am I filled with the Holy Spirit right now this very second am, am I grieving the Holy Spirit or am I filled with the Holy Spirit if I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit why not
0: Thank you for listening to a word from the Lord. I would like to take a few moments and, and give you the opportunity to become a believing Christian. I know today we have a lot of folks that go to church and are real religious, but if you were to ask them if they really know Jesus Christ, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. And I don't know if you're one of those people this morning, but if you've never become a believing Christian, I'd like to give you a just a simple ABC, not a gimmick, but, but just the way it is. And, and a is for acknowledging that you're a sinner. We live in a culture which says, you know, basically we don't make mistakes, but we do. And when we measure up against God's Ten Commandments, um, all of us have fallen short in some way. We've all messed up, and, and that's called sin, and we need to acknowledge that. The B is, is to believe, to believe in Jesus and what He's done on the cross is God's remedy for our sin. Is God's solution for being alienated from Him. To believe that through Jesus I can be made whole and I can be healed that I can be forgiven and the C is for confess confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior a lot of folks receive him as their Savior they want their what I call fire insurance make sure they don't go to hell but they aren't willing to allow him to be their Lord to be the one who uh, is the master of their life And and to confess that, uh, to be willing to share that with those you love and those you care about, that Jesus is your Lord. So it's really that simple, Um, and yet it's that powerful, that it makes such an eternal difference. Um, Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the solution. And confess that Jesus is your Lord. I invite you to stop what you're doing right now and, and, and say a simple prayer. Uh, confess your sin to Him, tell Him you believe in Him, and then to begin to confess Him as your Savior Lord. If you've done that, I encourage you to uh, let me know. I'd like to send you some materials so, to help you grow in your Christian faith. It's, it's like becoming a, a baby all over again, and there's some things you need to know, some, some things you need to learn in order to walk with God. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the Word of Christ please visit us online at awftl.org.